0: This podcast is a presentation of UCTV.TV, University
1: of California Television. Like what you learn? Help others discover UCTV podcasts by leaving a comment or rating in iTunes. Hi, this is Bill Mobley for the Sanford Institute for Empathy and Compassion. And uh, this is the Compassion Beyond Borders series where we have a chance to talk with really remarkable people across the world. Uh, People who make a big difference in other people's lives by serving them and doing so sometimes under very difficult circumstances. For example, during the pandemic that we're all experiencing. These are people who face challenges every day, who make extraordinary efforts to deal with those challenges. And because of what they do, they bring hope to the lives of very, very many. My co-host, Nyla. Uh, Chowdhury is Director of uh, Social Impact and Innovation for the UC San Diego Extension a Division. And so, Naila, if you'll introduce our, our guest, I'd love that.
2: Absolutely. Thank you, Dr. Mobley. I want to extend my heartfelt gratitude and respect to everyone working in the front line. Today's guest is Runa Khan from Bangladesh. Both the person and the country holds a very special place in my heart. Runa is an Ashoka Fellow, a global change maker, and a Schwab entrepreneur, and also a Rolex Laureate. She's the founder and executive director of Friendship, and founder and co-chair of Friendship International, which is in five European countries. She and her team directly serve 6.5 million lives a year. They're working towards saving lives, creating sustainable solutions, and bringing hope, and dignity to each life they touch. Runa is an embodiment of love, empowerment, and compassion. Hi, Runa. It's such a pleasure to welcome you. Thank you for being with
0: us. Thank you very much, Dr. Mowgli, Naila. I'm uh, I'm very happy to be with you because, you know, when I heard of your center, you know, of compassion, it has been, I think, the first uh, uh, reaction of the way that I work you know it's it 's intuitively for me that is the that is that that is what sparks the way that I work and so when Naila told me about your center i was um, I was very happy you know to be in this program with you thank you
2: thank you. We are very eager to hear your awe inspiring life 's journey, your challenges, and your work with Rohingya camp and your floating hospital. So, and especially now the social impact of
0: COVID-19. Thank you, Naila. Uh, You know, I will, uh, you know, I started in 2002 and it was really, I took a jump, a leap of faith, you know, in creating the first mobile ship hospitals in Bangladesh. Bangladesh is a country which is, uh, it's got, you know, it's a country of a thousand rivers. It's a country where, the the rivers can be 30 kilometers broad. And first impact of climate change has been happening in these places. And I remember going to these islands, which are called Chores, and and seeing the condition of life there because people somehow found it too difficult to reach these millions. And I remember uh, a woman coming to me with a child, you know, who had cerebral palsy and thinking I'm a doctor saying, you know, everybody told me that this child can't get cured. Do you think I should kill this child? You know, I've seen families who had not eaten for two days and you know, you can think about it, but when you actually see them, it's a total different ball game. I have seen people standing there with the lands breaking away in the, in the, in the floods and everything washed off, you know, including hope that they can restart their lives. And in, I come from a privileged background But I knew that I had to do something, you know, and I knew that I could do something, even as everybody said, it was just a drop in the ocean that I would be doing because I had no idea what is development work. I didn't know what an NGO stood for. I had never been inside a hospital uh, operating theater. I had never been on a ship and I wanted to take this ship and go to this remote area to serve the communities simply because I found them suffering suffering for basic lack of health care. And, you know, you couldn't watch because you, you cannot stand there as a human being and watch this happening in front of your eyes, knowing that you can do something. And this realization that you can at least touch that one life, you know, this realization leads to a responsibility. And it is on this responsibility that I started friendship. And it kind of... Uh, grew in a sense that my goal was not to make a big organization. It was just to touch lives, touch it effectively so that these people who were suffering didn't become a statistics of death in this country. And, uh, so I started the first mobile ship hospitals. I would carry these to the doorsteps of the people of these islands because there were millions. It was not thousand people, you know, they were in millions and, uh, because these people did not even have money to cross the island and go to a healthcare service or to access any basic service, and uh, somehow I, I realised that in spite of having this ship with these uh, operation theatres, international doctors, local doctors, we were doing all kinds of reconstructive surgery, orthopedic surgery, you know dental care, eye care, cervical cancer, right at the field level, awareness, it was not enough. Because once I found a child who had cerebral, uh, you know, a child who was burnt, and he cried for three days, not even having a paracetamol on that island, and I realized that no one should fall through this gap of pain, and uh, I started this three-tier healthcare system, and you know, at the when you are at the ultra-poor level, Bangladesh is a country which is one th- one-third the size of California, approximately, four times the population. And uh, it has, uh, uh, and 45% of that population is, is below uh, the poverty line. So it, we, had, we had dimensions to deal with, which were very difficult. And uh, people needed education, they needed access to service. And one by one, you know, according to the needs, I kept filling in the blank gaps. And you need to listen to what they need. And then you need to listen also to what they don't say. Because in that, what they don't say is actually the truth. And we needed to identify those. And today we are working in, with the saving for saving lives, poverty alleviation, climate change, because these are the areas which are most impacted by climate, climate issues. And of course, empowerment, because that is what gives them the platform from which they can take off.
2: Runa, if you could tell us the present condition and how you're working towards COVID-19 and your preparedness with the camp, Rohingya camp. Thank you.
0: Uh, well, uh, you know, with the COVID-19, it's a, it's a national, it's, it's an international crisis. You've never seen this. And Bangladesh uh, being, you know, uh, with 160 million people, uh, it's, uh, you can understand that it has been a challenge for the government. but friendship for somehow you know we started working on it much before it was declared and we started partnering the government with health we are we only have 1.1% of our staff who has not who's not attending or who's not working everybody in the field our hospitals are working uh, our uh, you know awareness programs are going on we are in a huge you know our empowerment program with women in the field they're making masks Uh, We are working with the government even for swap collections and, you know, for testing. Um, So we are actually, uh, of course, relief work. We are doing, uh, you know, livelihood has been a big issue because there are millions of people who are not getting food uh, with this lockdown, which is happening and isolation. So uh, we are, of course, providing food, seeds, because tomorrow is not going to wait. (laughs) You know, they need seed to plant. And uh, so we are giving that. Uh, it is it is something which has touched everybody and for this world of ours if it can teach us a bit of humility you know that we are just guests on this planet that for tomorrow we can bring a, this you know the sense of more equality is needed because nobody is isolated the sense of solidarity needs to be brought into the world this love that we are in this planet with the stars, with the, you know, obviously we watch the stars together, we see the earth, we see the plants, we see the animals. We are also just guests of this world. And we need to treat, be able to, you know, bring out a better world for ourselves only if we can work with respect with nature. And, uh, and, I, and uh, we need to human greed, is something which needs to be controlled. We mustn't want our 24th bag and our 26th, you know, jewellery. This needs to be controlled because otherwise I do not see how without having this deep change happening in the human soul and spirit that we can deal with things like this happening in the, to our beautiful world, you know, every year. We cannot have this.
2: Social isolation is a luxury in Bangladesh with the Rohingya camp where there's only a... Thin plastic sheet in between families and their homes so how are you doing this planning of like keeping them safe or teaching them the method of keeping away it's
0: impossible right there are millions of people in the camp so you know uh, disaster we are in the front line of disaster for the last 18 years my staff has collect, you know, has brought down children from trees, you know, you know when they were caught in tornadoes, you know, tornadoes and cyclones. But we are used to disaster; we deal with it. But you know, when the Rohingyas came in, it was totally a different. It was totally different because we had, we could not afford to get, you know, we had somebody to get angry on. We saw the fires burning on the other side in Myanmar, you know, with people coming on, children. One man comes with the two kids who were just born, doesn't know what to do, you know, raining, storms. And our staff, I had to control my staff. And I told them that, you know, this time, you have to be very careful because you have to take control of your own emotions before you go to the field. Because you can't, you know, all the time, you you couldn't get angry with God. Now you're going to get angry and it mustn't, you know, uh, make your ability of not performing. And uh, so I... Millions of people, you know, we were there right from the beginning, millions of people coming in and uh, well, (laughs) 1.2 million over the, you know, a few months. And uh, we uh, what disturbed me very much was everybody was putting up banners, you know, international organizations, local organizations, they are working. And I decided to work without any banners. Friendship would be invisible. The what we did, the people would be the witness, and if we were good, I was confident it would work. And today we are the second biggest, largest uh, national NGO working in the camps. Healthcare, we've, we have health cares in 11 camps. Uh, we've got, uh, we started the first, uh, uh, you know, the host come uh, doctor, uh, uh, host come Rohingya population coming to, for, for uh, comprehensive clinics, operations going on. We put in our M health modality in the, in the fields, we did you know, uh, health, education. We've got uh, now, I think, about 220 schools there. And uh, so we needed to work. But, you know, we needed to work with a lot of understanding, you know, that uh, that there was... that these people, people in Bangladesh that we were dealing with, could had the dignity of calling Bangladesh their home. But these people had nothing, not even the soil they were standing on. And for me... I needed to work with them with quality, you know, so that they felt dignified. So that, and I remember going into, a, you know, going to one of our schools and the children had put earth on their face because they were used to putting this, you know, this particular kind of a thing on their faces in Burma and they were just taking earth and putting it on. And this, it, it broke my heart because they wanted some touch with, you know, who they were. And this is what we have been striving for, for ensuring that these people, that the, that the Rohingyas who were there, could be, could, we could work with them with a lot of, you know, ensuring that they don't lose their hope. And it has, been, it, it, it has been a challenge. It has been very difficult because there were a lot of organizations there, each having their own mandate. But I just kept, let us do the best that we can with the money that we've got ensuring that these people do not, are not humbled.
1: Runi, it's an amazing story. So the, the themes that come through your story are a thousand rivers, a floating hospital, and a person who was born into privilege, but then confronts the reality of each person one by one, the reality of their difficulties. And so it sounds like the formula is to listen to what they really need one by one to respond to that one by one but to allow that to just multiply to this bigger effort that you're involved in how do you how do you manage on a daily basis to deal with all this suffering and at the same time keep such a very positive attitude
0: Because, you know, when people ask me what I find most difficult, what I find most difficult is to make that one to one decisions. You know, this child needs a heart transplant and that is one price. And I have, you know, 5000 women I can do maybe fistula operations for, you know, with that price. How do I make this decision? You know, even today, that is the most difficult decision. And I cannot as yet give it to the people who are working with me to make that decision but what you know what keeps me going is not only the people that we are serving and you know and the change that happens in their lives every life we touch but also this group of people who are what you would call colleagues or staff and this was not easy because humanitarian organization needs a humane way of dealing with everybody from the beneficiaries to my stakeholders to the people who are working with me every decision i make has to be based you know on on this compassion this empathy otherwise it's not possible to have one rule for one and one another rule for another set of stakeholders and i think This has what led to friendship being what it is, because from a boatsman who I take uh, you know fourteen hours to reach in one end of the country, to the doctor you know who's leading uh, you know three hundred thousand people who he's serving every month for medical help, both of them they understand the what what friendship is, where we are striving to go, what is the vision, and for me I think this. Passion somehow, because it's a very realistic passion. It's not words. Everything we do, it, it kind of, there's an action which is happening behind it. And it creates that change. And I think this is what, this verity is what makes people believe and buy in. And it's not only people working for, with, you know, for friendship as staff, but also my international colleagues. I have the most amazing set of people, you know, who support and help me and uh, who believe in friendship and uh, and who believe in the way that that there is something beyond just statistics, data, and money, you know? And uh, I think this is what keeps me going. It's the people. It's always about the people.
1: You must have people say how, how very grateful they are to you for the work you do. That has to be a big reward for you. I would think that would be very, very helpful.
0: You know, I... Um i don't want people especially my beneficiaries to be grateful to me because if they are grateful then they cannot have the pride and dignity to stand on their feet so i don't want them to be grateful i want them to understand that this is their right the health care which the you know others can't provide we are providing it and we are honored to provide it and this is i i i every action that we do we try to embody this, you know, in the people. And it's very important for me because, you know, I don't want gratitude. I want these people to stand on their feet, to be able to take off, you know, to have equality in this world
1: we so for so need. Well, we want to say how grateful we are to you for the work you do and for the amazing experience that you have. Uh, you know, I know that, I know that, Dignity is just a part of every person's right. And I agree with you on that. But it's also really wonderful for the people who've received help, even though they deserved it from the beginning, to say about people like you what a huge difference you're making. Uh, You know, I think we could say that Runa makes hope float. And we're very happy that we were able to have you on the program, and we wish you very well. And if there's anything we can ever do, please let us know. Runa, thank you so much.
0: You've been listening to a podcast by University of California Television. For more information about this program or UCTV, visit us online at
1: uctv.tv.